He is risen. He is risen indeed. Thanks, Blair. He is risen. He is risen indeed. Ah, there we go. You guys are with him. Now, for my next trick, I'm going to take this piece of paper and one tear and turn into a three-dimensional tomb and the stone rolled away and all the major characters that were witnessing Jesus. No, we can't do that. You know, there's always a lot of, a lot of pressure on Easter sermon-wise, you know, it's kind of our, it's like the church's Super Bowl, you know, it's like our big day, it's the big thing, and, and it's always hard to think about what you're going to say exactly, I mean, obviously, we have the subject, right, we're going to talk about the resurrection, that's easy enough, but how are we going to address that, and what are we going to talk about, and I, I thought about it a lot um, for what we could talk about this morning, and I considered talking about the arguments and the evidences for the, the proof of the resurrection, and there are many, And that is important. It is important to know that indeed, yes, he has risen indeed. And yet, here's my concern. That we hear the facts, you know, we hear hear the news, we say, well, that's nice. That's nice that Jesus rose from the dead. And then we go to Easter lunch. You know, and my, I don't want to see this, this news just be another part of the Easter routine. Like, sweet, we got good Friday off, right? And we lazed around yesterday, watched the Final Four, go Duke. And then we come this morning, you know, we wear a little bit extra nice clothes, you know, some more pastels in the room than normal. You know, we have our Easter brunch, we have a nice sermon, you know, a nice service. Then we go have a nice lunch, and we have a nice Easter egg hunt. We eat some nice candy and have a nice stomach ache. And, you know, and, just, and just, this is just part of the thing that we do. And, and I, I don't want that. I don't want... The good news of Jesus is death and resurrection, just to be another part of the story. Two scenarios that I want to point, uh, point you to, if my clicker works. And let's see here. Hey, there we go. All right. Scenario number one. You're sitting on your couch. You're watching the news on TV. Okay, news report comes on. There's a report on pancreatic cancer. And in this report, the report says that pancreatic cancer is possibly the deadliest cancer that's out there. And that you, you, hear, that the, you hear the facts, that it's tough to diagnose, that oftentimes when it is diagnosed, it's not detected until it's too late. That with pancreatic cancer, there's a 95% death rate. That oftentimes within six months the patient passes away, if not as soon as two or three days. And as you're sitting on your couch and you're hearing this news, you say, wow, what a terrible disease. What a terrible thing. And you mean it, right? It is terrible and it's it's shocking to hear the story. And then you flip the channel. Ooh, Dancing with the Stars. And you just go right on. Scenario number two. You go in for a routine physical just for them to remind you of what a beautiful specimen you are. When the doctor comes in to see you and you're expected for him to just be wowed by your statistics and um, instead he says, I'm not sure how to tell you this, but you have pancreatic cancer. Now that news hits you much, much differently. In this first scenario, the issue isn't belief, right? You heard the facts. You accept the facts. You, you believe the facts. It seems like that news report came from a credible source. I believe it. Maybe I know people who have suffered from it. It's just that the facts didn't change your life. You just changed the channel. 
In the second scenario, however, those facts become real. They become personal, and they shake you to your core. You have a disease. You are going to die. And it shatters your entire outlook on life, on death, what matters, what doesn't matter. Everything changes. And here's my prayer for us this morning, that as we hear this news, as we are confronted by this news, by this good, by this great news of Jesus' death and resurrection, that we wouldn't just hear the facts, accept the facts, believe the facts, and then change the channel. But that the reality of Jesus coming to this earth, dying on the cross and raising again, would change you, would change me. That it would shake us to the core, and it would change everything. 1 Corinthians 15, the verses will be on the screen. You're welcome to follow along in your own translation. Paul tells us of this earth-shaking news. He tells about the gospel. He says, now, brothers and sisters, I want to remind you of the gospel I preached to you, which you received and on which you have taken your stand. By this gospel, you are saved if you hold firmly to the word I preached to you. Otherwise, you believed in vain. He says, this is not just something to hear and applaud or to believe. He says, you hold on to this firmly. You stand on this truth. And here's the truth, verse 3. For what I received, I passed on to you as of first importance, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried, and that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. That's the good news. That's the gospel in its simplest form. But here's how often we read this. It is not, it does not, Paul did not say, Christ died according to the scriptures. This is not just the facts that 2,000 years ago, Jesus died on a cross, he was buried in 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 a grave, and that three days later, he rose again. That is not the good news. The good news, and the prepositional phrase, that's very important to leave in here, is that Christ died for our sins, according to the scriptures. We can't leave that part out. Otherwise, it's just facts, and we change the channel. You see, Christ died because you and I have cancer. Because you and I are sinners. Paul points to this. He, he, he shows that, that, that um, Jesus rose, showed himself to many people to prove that he indeed rose, And then in verse 8, he says, And last of all, he appeared to me as to one abnormally born. This is Paul's testimony, how he was forever changed by the gospel. Hear what he says. For I am the least of the apostles, and do not even deserve to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am, and his grace to me was not without effect. Paul says, look, I used to be this. But now, by the grace of God, by an encounter with his death and resurrection, I'm now this. He says, I used to persecute the church. Paul would throw Christians into jail, and he approved of their murder for believing this gospel. Then he encounters Jesus on the road to Damascus, and everything changes. And now, all of a sudden, he's going into all the world and preaching this gospel. He even dies for this very gospel that he used to persecute others for. And I want to ask you this this morning. 
can you point to real sin in your life? Can you say, I I used to be this, but now I'm this. Or I am this. I struggle with this. But now I'm this. Now I'm a saint. Now I'm forgiven. You see, if our sin is just theoretical, if it's just, yes, we know that all have sinned and all fall short of the glory of God, but, but you can't point to real sins in your life, if your sin's theoretical, your Savior's theoretical. Because what did he save me from? This whole thing is just a game. Just like seeing the theoretical cancer on the news report that happens to someone else, but not to me. But if your sin is real, if your sin is real, now all of a sudden, you need a real Savior. You need real forgiveness. And everything in this life hangs on whether or not Christ really rose from the grave. Two things that we see in the resurrection, two realities that we need, that our life hangs on, as we see in this passage. Number one, because he lives, it's over. It's over. Let me explain. Verse 17, he says, If Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile, and you're still in your sins. Do you catch that? He says, if Christ didn't raise from the dead, your faith is pointless. You are not forgiven, and you are still trapped in your sins, hurtling toward a destination of eternity without him. But Christ did rise from the dead. And the, and the resurrection is the ultimate trump card that says that it's over. That you are no longer a slave to sin and to death. Think about, back to our doctor analogy, if the doctor says, you have cancer, and then two weeks later he comes back to you and he says, I got good news, because the cancer is gone. What do, you, what do you say to him in response? You say, well, yeah, show me proof. I want proof. Like, I need scans, I need, I, need, I need, you know, cell counts. I need to see hard evidence that what you're saying is true so that I know that I'm saved from this cancer. What would you accept as evidence? And here's the deal. If Christ didn't raise from the dead, there would be no proof. Is my sin paid for? Did God accept Jesus' sacrifice on my behalf? There would be no way to know. The resurrection validates that what Jesus did for us, that his, his, his sacrificial atonement for our sins was accepted by God. The resurrection is rock-solid proof that yes, your sin is real, but so is the cure. That your sin has been paid for in full. Hebrews says that he died for sin for once and for all, and now, as Jacob said, is seated or is standing the right hand of God, which signifies game, set, and match. Sin has been defeated. Death has been defeated. God accepted Jesus' punishment on our behalf, and the resurrection is proof of that. Number two, because he lives, we will be raised like him. And this is where it gets really good. It's not just that Jesus raised to a new life, with a new body. It's evidence of what we too will become. See, just like Jesus got a new body that lasts forever, when we die or when Jesus comes back, we too will receive a new body that lasts forever. 
He talks about this in this passage. He, he says, listen, I tell you a mystery. We will not all sleep, but we will all be changed. Either we'll die or he'll come back, but we're all going to change. In a flash, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound, the dead will be raised imperishable, and we will be changed. For the perishable must clothe itself with the imperishable, and the mortal with immortality. He says, this new body that we're going to get, it will never die. It will never perish. We're going to live forever. No more sickness, no more cancer, no more death. It's a new life that is immortal. And he says, for when the perishable has been clothed with the imperishable and the mortal with immortality, then the saying that is written will come true. Death has been swallowed up in victory. And as we sang, where, O death, is your victory? Where, O death, is your sting? It's it's over. The sting of death is sin and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, he gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. You see, death is real. I mean, right here on this very stage, we have seen countless numbers of funerals, memorials. The pain is real. The, the loss is real. And you think back to our analogy. The doctor says to you, there is no cure for your cancer. Within six months, you are going to die. You mourn. Your family mourns. Your, your friends mourn. But we do not mourn like those who have no hope. Here's the reality. The cancer doesn't win. After that cancer comes life. Comes life with Jesus. For the rest of all time. And that momentary suffering, it's a blip on the radar of the future that is to come for us. See, and and here's what Paul says, he says back in, in verse 19. He says, if only for this life we have hope in Christ, we are of all people most to be pitied. He says, if all of your hope for what Jesus is going to do for you and for those you love is in this life, is in this temporary earthly existence full of sin, full of pain, full of heartache, if your hope is that he's going to give you a perfect life here on earth, he says we are the most foolish people in the world. We are to be pitied more than anyone else on the planet. Because our hope is not just in the here and the now. Our hope is in tomorrow. Our hope is, is, is in what is to come. That we will be raised like him. Our hope is in the fact that three days later, after being buried, Jesus rose from the dead. And after we have died to our sins, if we put our faith in Jesus, we too will be raised and made like him. See, hope in, to, hope in tomorrow changes the way we live. It changes the way we view our earthly, temporary things. It changes our outlook on money. It changes the way we see other people. It changes the way we absorb the wrongs done to us by others. Knowing that one day this is all going to be made right. Not here, not now. And it changes our purpose. We're here on this earth for one reason. And that's to spread his fame. To share this gospel story to the ends of the earth. So this morning... What scenario do you find yourself in? Have you heard the, 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 the facts of Jesus' death and resurrection? Are these just things that you've heard 
And you even say, that sounds good, that sounds right, I believe, I approve of those facts. Seems like the Bible's a credible source. And then you change the channel. Or has this happened to you? Do you recognize that that you are a sinner? That I am a sinner? That this sin is real and there that that but that also that our Savior is real. We're gonna sing a song, and the band can come on up. We're gonna sing a song, it's called Life Song. And in the song, the lyrics, it says, I once, it's a, it's a first person, which means it it's, comes from the, the I point of view. It says, I once was lost, but now I'm found. That I once was blind, but now I can see. That I once was dead, but now I live. It's a song that says this isn't just facts that we hear about and then go on with the rest of our routine. This is the truth that has forever changed the way I live. And can you look in your heart and do you see see the real sin that the Holy Spirit points to you, but you see that there is a real Savior and there is a real hope to come to tomorrow. So this this is what I want us to do here. As we sing this song, I want us to start, and I want everybody to stay seated to begin this song. This will be a little different, might be a little uncomfortable. But I only want you to stand if you've experienced these words that we're going to sing. He says, because he lives, my life song sings. As your life song sung these lyrics, can you identify, I have been lost, but I've been found. Uh, Don't stand up if you're perfect. We'll all stay sitting if that's the case. But if you experience the power of the death and resurrection of Jesus in your life. And if so, then I want you to stand. Because I could stand up here for hours and give you all of the reasons why you should believe that Jesus rose from the dead. But there is nothing more powerful than a changed life. There's nothing more powerful than the testimony of the person you're sitting next to that stands up and says, I used to be dead, but now I live. And I'm going to live forever because of what he did for me. And this is not, I don't want this to turn into you're looking around and taking inventory of how many people are standing up. And I want eyes closed. I want eyes on the screen. This is between you and the Lord. But this is for us a public declaration to say, I once was dead, but now I live. And if you've experienced that, if you've tasted and seen that the Lord is good, I want you to be a witness just like the ladies, just like the disciples at the tomb, we are all witnesses. He is no longer in that tomb. He is alive, and he will live forever. So let's sing this song, and if your heart can say, I've, I've, been, I've seen this happen in my life. Jesus has changed me. Like Paul, I once was this, but now I'm this. I want you to stand, and I want you to declare this together.